just before we start individual topics, which pretty much I'm going to leave, let them to decide what kind of topics they want to discuss, uh, let's call it a few ground rules. The general Mahalakha to answer questions. Now, the first verse, the first rule is, this is a more serious rule, this I'm starting with it first, and that is, remember, if you're in the position that someone's asking you a question on Torah, on Halakha, on Ashkafa, on whatever point it is, the idea isn't just to satisfy the person who's asking the question or try to avoid the question. At the end of the day, Batim, right now you're in the position where you're presenting the Torah. If that's the case, there's never a hetter to lie to somebody as a way to answer, taking into account that you, he doesn't know what you know. And therefore you think, I can get away with saying something which isn't right because he won't any better anyway. Right. Firstly, it's uh, in the category of what the Gemara says in the Vabasa, Aror, Oyser, Melechas, Hashem, Remir. That is an Isser, or even an Aror, of a person who makes Melechas Hashem into something dishonest. So if I know that something is not true, it's, it's to present that as the, as the Torah's approach to something is Oyser, Melechas, Hashem, Remir. It's like being dishonest about what, what the Torah says. Number two, you have to take into account that even if the person doesn't know better now, but he's going to remember your answer. And it could be five, ten, or even many years later on when he actually learns more and learns more. And so for one second, or years back, I asked the rabbi and he told me not like that. It's not that you're going to get it necessarily the, what you said wrong. It's going to be something which is okay. And the spotted answer and he's happy with that because people remember what you tell them. Especially if they really had a question. This was going to be the answer. And then it uh, can shake the foundations of his belief in Torah or belief in Rabban and teaching in Torah way later on when he finds out that what people told him wasn't really true. And therefore, the, the other place of answering is that number one, we have a source and we have an MS what we say. Number two, and this is also a ground rule we want to start with, and that is, there's nothing wrong with saying it's a good question I have to find out for you. But we don't have to have an answer for everything on the spot. On the contrary, it shows us that certain authenticity also. If someone asks something, so you know that's a good point, let me find out, I'll get back to you. Now obviously we can't say it to everything because uh, we're not going to teach anybody anything like that. But there will always be the, the take on the question which we're not sure about, we didn't think about, or whatever it's going to be. And if I don't know, then there's nothing wrong with saying. It's a good thing. I would also like to find out. There are people bigger than me. I'm going to ask them. And I'll get back to you. Um, if you're really serious about this, and I've done this once or twice, and it's actually been more effective than the answer I would have given when I found out I did give, I tell the person, you know, that's a great question. Please give me your phone number. Or email address, whatever it is. I'm going to find out, and I'm going to call you back. And, uh, okay, you go look it up, whatever it is. And when you actually do get back to somebody, Right, they, they appreciate that. No, thank you very much. You, you took it seriously as not what they wanted, and they also then tried to turn in the MS. You went to find out. This is the answer. You don't have to be scared of that. There will be times where people will ask you questions you never thought about. Things come up which you, you haven't just, you know, worked out exactly how to how to present the terrorist position, and there's nothing wrong with asking. <coughs> there's also nothing wrong with directing somebody to someone who knows the topic better than you. Right, so you can say that's a great question. 
I want to give you the name or the number of somebody who this is his field. Speak to him. I'm sure he'll do a better job than me. Again, remember, at the end of the day, we're not trying to do this for our own ego. We're trying to teach people Torah. And if we find that there's a certain field, which I know somebody else, this is his expertise, or this is his field, there's nothing wrong with directing someone to them. But, those are the two starting points. Number one, we can't make up things on the spot and, which aren't true. Number two, there's nothing wrong with answering the question by saying either I don't know or I'll put you in touch with somebody who does know or I'll find out for you whatever it's going to do. And also, as a side point, even though that's the right thing to do, it's the same but it also makes you look more amistic that you don't, you're not going to just fabricate some answer on the spot. Number one. Number two. The second, I'd say, ground rule in answering questions is you have to understand what the question, where the question is coming from. Because even if the Mesa, your answer is the right answer, it's not the answer to the question he's asking. And it's not going to satisfy anybody. Right. And therefore, it's not just to, to know the information, it's also to be able to see the way the person's, the person's asking the question, where is he coming from, and, and therefore what's the way to answer him. Uh, now, this is why when we're going to discuss answers, as always, it's going to get broken down into different categories. Because the answer is going to change on who's asking the question. And if you're going to ask me, where do I have a Makar and Chazal for such a thing? If you think about it for a second, you'll already have this straight away. It's the same answer to the same question. Everybody wants to know what you're doing on Pesach. So the question is the same. But, the same answer we're going to structure differently. We're talking to the Chasun, a Chachum, we're talking to the Rasha, we're talking to the Tam, we're talking to Shani Adelisha. And the Chachum is understanding that the answer you give to the Chachum is not going to work for the Tam. And the answer you give to the Tam is not going to work for the Chachum. And same thing with any of the other options, which means the, the information is true. And the answer is better than the same answer. And that is, we're doing this because of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But how am I going to get that answer across? And what am I going to say? And how much am I going to say? And what's the way I'm going to put it across? Is the Chachm of knowing who's asking the question. And therefore, how to structure it accordingly. Which means, right, the same question, which if a normal, let's say, from Haredi, Bach, and Yeshiv would ask me, how do you know this? And the same question, which is going to be a debate with somebody who's not Jewish even, is trying to attack a terrorist position. The answer might be the same. But the way you're going to explain it, the way you're going to put it across, is very different. Are you being asked for information? Or are you being challenged? Right? You, have to, you have to understand where the question is coming from. And based on that, how I'm going to, how I'm going to, not what the answer is going to be. The answer is the same. But how I'm going to word it. And therefore, this is the data, a very important part of how to answer questions, is how to give the answer to the person asking. Because if someone, let's say, in a non-from setting, uh, raises his hand, and says to you, tell me something, like, how do you understand that uh, um, bad things can happen to good people? How do you understand there's a Holocaust? Right? So you can say, okay, sit down and listen. I'm going to give you four Mahalchem and the Rishonim, and it'll take you three hours. It's not going to work. Even if you're right, right, and you have what to say, it's not going to work, because that's not what the person listening for, not who wants to hear. Right? You have to know how to take that answer and distill it into what you're going to say for what the person is asking. And then, what's the second most important thing is, you have to understand, why is the person asking? Has he learned that if you just throw out the word Holocaust, that makes everybody scared of to answer the questions, so it's just a challenge? Is he asking the question because his grandparents died in the Holocaust, he never came to terms with how it could happen? Now, where is he coming from? And then based on the way, way the person, where the place the person is asking the question from, is the way I'm going to phrase the answer. So like I said, this, the idea isn't just to give item information of source material for various points, it's also to 
work with different angles to each question because they're going to come. The question will come from different sides. The third point of Rodofsky was just to start with this, and his, his right experience was proven right. And that is, most times people asking you the question is coming from a place of complete amaratus. They don't know anything. That normally, when you get asked a question, you think someone's challenging you with information that they know. Normally, they don't know anything. I mean, just a case in point of the question we worked on, we, we worked on together, just to bring this out. That in a certain class, uh, a certain college student uh, raised his hand and he says, Rabbi, why do you feel that the God of the Talmud is any different to Greek mythology? They both made up. The question, why do you feel that God of the Talmud is any different to Greek mythology? So how would you answer the question? Now, there are a number of ways to answer a question like that. But again, the first important point is to understand where the question is coming from. So I'll tell you what Rabbi Rosky did, and just uses the marshal to prove the point, because you can do the same thing in other situations. He said, tell me something. Which Agada are you talking about? Are you talking about the stories of Rabbi Barakhana? What he's talking about. Are you talking about the Savad of Are you talking about the Midrashim of Barajas? Okay, so let's go the other way. Which Greek mythology are you talking about? Are you talking about the story of Zeus? Are you talking about the Shils? Are you talking about... I got you nothing. So, Rossi basically told him, he said, you're right. For a person who does not Agada and does not Greek mythology, they're exactly the same. <laughs> because, but you understand, if, 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 yeah, where's the question coming from? If a person knows what he's talking about, he doesn't know what he's talking about. How much does he know? What does he want? It's, or it's, just, it's, it's just a random question. Why is it different? You don't know either topic, so why, why are you asking the question either? Now, as a corollary to this, sometimes it's worked out way that the question doesn't know. As a corollary to this, and this I'm going to say also from experience, and that is advice. Don't debate people on a subject that they know better than you. Don't debate people on a topic they know better than you. Even if you know what the answer is, but if you're going to try and talk them on their topic, they're going to see you don't understand it much better than you. Your topic is Torah. And that's what you're going to know better than them. But to debate them on their topic, which they know better than you, is not a good idea. Like I'm saying, even if you know the answers, but you can feel if somebody's a buck in his topic or not. Um, four examples of this. Four examples of this. And I, I've, I've had experience of all four. Number one, science. Unless you've learned science well, and you know it well, don't debate a person who know, who's a scientist. He'll know it better than you. So even if you have answers to questions, presented only from the Torah's perspective. Once you're going to try and take the science perspective, unless you know the topic really well, right, they're basically going to tell you you don't know what you're talking about. Science, biology, anything like that. Right? If, you're going to, if that's where the question is going to come from, so then you have to, you have to know that the, you, you're confident on the topic you're talking about, whatever it is. Similarly, history. If you know history well, the Vakasha. If you don't, if you, if the, you don't know history well, it's, don't go into a field where it's likely the other person who knows more than you will prove you wrong the whole time. Again, it's not proving the Torah wrong. It's proving you wrong. But the matter is, you lose your stature if, you see, if people see you don't know what you're talking about. Usually the they bring from the history or biology or whatever, they think the Torah is wrong. What do you do? You the question is, I can go two routes. Either I can go their route and disprove them, or I can explain the Torah. Now, that's what I said. If you're going to take the route of fighting on their field, you have to know the field well enough to do that. If you don't, then stick to explain the terrorist position. Don't try and, and counter it. 
Would you take the risk? I mean, usually it's not a scientist sitting in front of you. It's a guy. I don't know how well he's, he studied science classes. The question is how well you know the science. Because if you don't really, if you don't really know, then don't take the chance. So then, so then, so then, if you're not sure, you can take the thing and ask him straight. Say, tell me something. Do you understand science well? Are we going to have a science discussion? Or and if he says yes, 100%. This is my field. So then, unless you're convinced or you're confident what you're saying, I would rather avoid that. It's safer. You can answer the terrorist perspective. Uh, another example which comes up often, and uh, people often make this mistake. Right? I'm not, I'm not pro arguing with missionaries. I just think it's a waste of time. Right? But sometimes I feel you need to do it because they're trying to convince somebody else. And for the sake of the Jewish person who's listening, if you, can, if you destroy the missionary's arguments for him, he feels more confident. You know, that he doesn't know what he's talking about, but at least some Jew does. Right? Now, if you're going to fight with missionaries, which we'll talk about, it's a, it's a field in its own in answering questions. If you're going to start fighting with missionaries, you have two options. Either you can disprove everything they're saying about the Torah. You know Torah better than them. That's easy. But if you want to go into the attack and you want to fight Christianity, at least you have to know what you're talking about. Because that's something they do know. Right? So you don't want to sound as stupid to them with discussing their religion as stupid as they sound when they talk about what the Pesukim mean. Right? You can do a very good job of destroying their arguments by just defending the Torah the whole time. This, they may take this out of context, you don't understand, it's not what it means, it's not what the Pasuk says, whatever it's going to be. If you're going to try and go on the offensive, you have to know enough what you're talking about that, like I said, it doesn't sound as stupid as when the, the way they try and make Pesukim sound, sound uh, in, in favor of what they say. That's, that's the same thing. And that is, uh, 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 don't, don't, I'm sorry? What if they prove, prove uh, Christianity in their stuff? Oh, we don't accept them to start with. But they don't try to do that. They try to prove it from the Torah. Which is, like I said, so if, you can always stay on your own field. That's where you're safer. If you're going to go the other, to the, onto the offense, the other person's field, you have to make sure you know what you're talking about. Right, the next point. And this is, uh, this is one sh- shouldn't be other, it shouldn't be forgotten about. It's very important. Again, firstly, it's wrong. And secondly, it doesn't go anywhere. And that is, um, you don't never defend something which is wrong. Never defend something which is wrong. You compromise the integrity and it doesn't get you anywhere. Which means, very often in discussion it's going to be, oh, so why did Jews do that? Or so why do from Jews uh, cheat on taxes? Or why do we find scandals with rabbis? Whatever, whatever it's going to be. Right? Whatever it goes in anywhere with something you agree is wrong, you're not mukhiyev to defend it. You can agree it's wrong. I'm defending the principle. So I once had a line from Rabbi Beryl Wine. He said, you can't blame Judaism on the Jews. It's a good line. We're defending the concept. Not, not anybody who's done something wrong who calls, calls himself Jewish. Don't go the route of crime. So I will say that any Jew who is morally correct will not cheat in taxes. And I'll give stories of Jews who have been on these things. We're talking about the principle. Is it the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? It's the wrong thing to do. Why do people do it? Why do people get angry? No one's, people aren't perfect. We have a system of what perfect is meant to be. And we're going to explain the system. And you're going to tell me people aren't, don't, don't always live up to what the system is meant to be? That's true across the board. 100%. People have a lot of work to do. We're never going to defend the... Is it a problem if, if 
throughout the argument it comes up looking like the Jews are have like a We'll talk about that. That's a good question. People ask about percentages and things. I think we'll talk about it separately. But to take the other approach and say, well, you know, the cost of from tuition and summer camp, you have to do on your taxes. That's not going to work. First, it's not true, and it's not going to work. You never, we never justify what's wrong. We still, we, 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 we're presenting the Torah, and the Torah is right. We're presenting the MS. Right, okay. That, that's the next point. Um, two more just general points. And that is uh, uh, for the, the it's just a, it's a question, simple rule to remember. And that is you only have to answer questions, not statements. Right? You don't, you're not looking to argue with people. If someone gets up and says, "Well, my opinion is like this," fine, he's entitled to his opinion. But if someone asks you about your opinion, okay, I'll tell you what I think. Right? But if if, so, if someone, and this is most often the case, people aren't asking me, they're not asking a question, they want to express what they want to express. Like, thank you for sharing your opinion with me. I don't have to take it further than that. Right? And this brings me to the next point. And that is very often, and especially in curious things, people aren't interested in the answers. They just want to say what they want to say. So to try and answer is, like going back to what we said at the beginning, you have to wrap your audience. If someone's really interested in the answer, right, okay, then I have to give them an answer. If a person is not interested in the answer, he wants to tell me he doesn't agree with me, or he wants to tell me his worldview on that, don't waste your time. You're not going to get anywhere. Right? Public setting for sure. It's the most effective thing to do. If someone gets up and says, "Well, I really believe in uh, Spanish chi, I mean Chinese chi healing," so like, okay, I give your opinion. Now, if someone's really wants to know, I say, "Whatever, what do you say about that?" Fine. Now you ask me a question, I can answer. But to try and argue with him, it's pointless. He's not listening to me. He wanted to tell him what he holds. I'm wasting my time arguing with him. That's okay. Thank you for your opinion. Finished. That's, well, what else is there to say? He's, not, he's, not, he's asking a question. Normally, that's the trick of someone else to ask the question. And I can answer. Someone doesn't, there's someone interested in an answer. You understand. Uh, we're not trying to debate people because what happens is when a person has a certain opinion in mind, the more you try to argue with them, the more they get stuck in what they hold, even without being able to understand it. Uh, as a, the first rule, which you'll see in any uh, book on influencing people, is don't look for arguments. It doesn't get you anywhere because the person doesn't listen. He's made up his mind and he blocks anything you're going to say to him. It will just reinforce how much he holds his opinion, even if you can't explain it. You can only try and explain something to somebody who's interested in listening to you. And now they don't have an opinion, or they're at least willing to listen to your opinion and, and weigh it up and think about it. If you don't have that, then you're wasting your time. On the contrary, you're just reinforcing his beliefs as a kofi. Because now he's more convinced he's right, even if you can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, uh, that's another reason I said before. It's not worth arguing with missionaries. Because there's nothing to argue about. They're not coming to ask your opinion. They've held that they believe in what they believe, and then they're not listening to you. So you can argue until tomorrow. They'll just reinforce their belief. And I mean it like that. Because it's happened to me a few times. When you say to us, well, I'll prove you wrong. I said, yeah, you're right. But I still believe it. So, <laughs> so what have we gained? Uh, it's another thing. You don't have to answer statements. You have to answer questions. And uh, that, that goes into what we said before. That uh, does the person want the answer? And sometimes, if you're not sure, you can even ask the person. That uh, up to things which is, um, can you prove to me that there's a God? So I say yes. Really? Yes. Really. Uh, do you want to hear the proof? No, no, that's okay. Which means, okay, I don't know why they asked the question. Once it's kind of somebody could say they believe it, or that they didn't actually weren't interested in hearing what you had to say, but 
if you're not sure, it's a good way to go. So yes, I can explain it to you. It'll take me five minutes. Are you willing to listen? But very often, the answer will be no. There wasn't really a serious question. So again, why waste your time? The audience, or at least the question, isn't interested in the answer. And sometimes it's just the confidence that there is an answer. That there is more than that. Right? And, uh, people like to think of philosophical questions which they believe there's no answer to. Because they believe that's some serious guy somehow. And I'll give you famous examples. Right? Uh, one of the best ones is can, can Hashem make a rock so heavy that he can't lift it up? You've all that question. Right? And I think it's a stereo, right? Because somewhere or other you, you're limiting Hashem. So either Hashem can't make the rock, he can't pick up, or Hashem can't pick it up. Right? So I think, ah, oh, that's the truth Hashem. So, so what's the answer? The answer is no. Okay. <laughs> Most times that, really, firstly, the first thing is that there is an answer to the question. Right? And now they have to try and work out philosophically, so where does that put them? Right? Normally, that, that, that's where the discussion ends. You've answered the question. Right? If they're actually going to push the point, why? The answer is simple. There are lots of things Hashem can't do. Hashem can't make another Hashem. Hashem can't make a mistake. Hashem can't forget something. Hashem can't die. Right? To, to say the word not about Hashem isn't limiting Him. On the contrary, you're using it as a double negative. Hashem can't do something which isn't perfect. Right? So yes, Hashem can't make mistakes. Which means perfection means you don't make mistakes. Perfection means you live forever. Perfection means that you, that it's, irrepl- it's infinite. There's nothing else that can be the same. But again, if a person is interested in it, we can explain the philosophy. Normally, you don't get that far. Normally, there's the question that you actually answered something which they thought to be a paradox in philosophy is already something. Okay, so those are the, those are the, so that, those are the starting points to answering questions. You have to know. Uh, it's not emotionally. That's emotionally questions are questions which affect the person personally. Right. So you have to, you have to explain. Hundred percent, you'll get lots of questions like that, and that's part of what you have to explain. But like I said, that a lot of a lot of that is knowing who the question is. Is it coming from as we're going to divide all questions into Chacham, Rosh, Tam, That's the terrorist framework of questions. And you have to know, is this a Chacham question or a Tam question or a Shani Yedelishal question? Now, as the song explained to you, how can that be? How can an infinite being affect the physical world? Now, if the songs are asking in, as a Chacham, then we'll give the answer. We'll explain the word like that. How does Hashem do Minisim? Good. Track one. You can ask a question like a Rosh. Don't believe it. Never seen it. No proof. Okay. That is, it's the same question, but a different answer. It's the same answer also. But it's a different track. The person can ask the time. Explain to me how this works. How did this happen? What, what happened to nature? What happened to the world? How did how suddenly where Hashem stands demands and what does it change? Okay, it's a time question. You can answer like that. You can have a Chinese additional question. Never heard of that before. How come it doesn't happen anymore? Like I said, each question you can break into its components. Like we're going to try to do that, Hashem. And you can examine it from each angle. And again, this letter is always the same. If you know the Torah, you know what the answer is. The Mahalik is just how you're going to explain it. How you going to, and each question, we're going to see that the different angles of how to explain that. You saw it because it's, 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 so to speak, making the Torah understandable to the questioner. So those are the stories we want to talk about. The, this, they apply Kimat to every question which comes up. It'll form one of these categories. Now, that's what I hacked on before. We wanted to talk about so what's... The point, of, uh, the point of it, and this is a sad point, uh, a lot of people are scared of 
confronting people who might ask me questions because I don't know what to say. And it's very sad if our only knowledge of anything to do with Torah is just the fact that we grew up with it. And that we sort it in our homes and that's why we do it. Right? Think for yourself. Before you get asked the question, think for yourself why you're doing it. Think for yourself what the reasons are. Think for yourself if you understand it. Because if you've thought it through yourself, then you know what to say. You, you understand it. If you've never discussed or thought about anything yourself, then you talk everything's what's the reason? Tuck, I never thought about that. I just assumed it's the right thing to do because that's what I always saw. So the idea of learning how to answer questions, yes, it helps you in your position as an Akarab or a Rav or anything else is going to be. Yes, it helps you in common interactions with random strangers who will meet you anywhere and say, can I ask you a question, which has happened to me lots of times. Right? And you get all kinds of unusual questions without trying to promote yourself in any religious capacity. Right? But the most important thing is for yourself. Because you'll really look at everything we're doing anyway in Yiddish, right? And suddenly start to understand that there's more depth to it, there's more understanding to it than just assuming we, that's what we do, that's what we, what's done, that's what we do. Now, how are we going to go about this? 